Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 131 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, man? Not too much. Just enjoying baseball, and you know, we're hitting near the All-Star break. It's kind of crazy. We're almost to July. We blinked, and here we are, so... Hopefully you're doing well in all your leagues. If not, time to find some trades, hit the wire hard, and time to get things in shape, man, because standings are definitely taking shape at this point. So it's time to hit the go button for sure in the fantasy season if you are falling behind. But hopefully we're here to help. We're going to break some of this down, talk about some prospects, and I'm even some dynasty stuff here today. So looking forward to a good show. Yeah, you got to hit that go button now, kind of like Vin Diesel hits the NOS button in the middle of a quarter mile race in Fast and the Furious. It's time to, you know, pop that cap off, flip the NOS switch, and go, baby. But yeah, how are we almost halfway through the season, Chris? I don't know. I feel like time just gets quicker and quicker, like every every day. I don't know. I don't get it. I just blinked, and we're in July, but here we are. I know. Like today, we're recording on the last day of June. You know, looking at the standing, major league teams are. 74, 75, 76 games played, somewhere in that range. My Red Sox, who just came up a 20 and 6 month of June, can't even make up any ground on the Yankees, still 13 back because the Yankees are just doing just as well. They're in 56 and 20 right now, best team in baseball by a solid margin. Who's second in baseball? See, Houston's at 47 wins. The Mets are at 47. Yeah, so they're 10 wins better than any other team in baseball, which is. This is crazy. Or nine yeah. months, excuse me, better. That's just crazy. So, But we're not here to talk about MLB standings. We're going to talk some fantasy baseball. But before we do, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel. And, of course, check out all the other great work we have going on by the entire team over at Fantrax HQ, including we have a brand new fantasy football podcast that is debuting very soon. I think this upcoming week, if I recall correctly, that's by Kai Haskins, Colin McTamini, and Ben Lay. It's called The Fly Fund. They're very motivated. I've been working with, with the, the guys on just getting everything going, and they are very motivated, have a lot of fun ideas. So for all you football fanatics out there, you know, fantasy football is right around the corner. Like I said, it's about two months away from the season. Go check that new podcast out. Again, it's called The Fly, and they're on Twitter at 
Fly FF podcast. So a lot of, lot of fun stuff here, even non-baseball stuff going on at Fantrax HQ. But let's go ahead and get right into this week's episode, though. Got a lot of fun topics, a lot of fun players to talk about today. But of course, we cannot start anywhere else besides the probably the most hyped call-up of the season, which is kind of funny to say, but or at least the one that had the most positive reaction and the most pandemonium on Twitter. And that's Vinny Pasquantino, a.k.a. Italian Breakfast, a.k.a. Italian Nightmare. He has, like, the best nicknames already. This is phenomenal. Like, Italian Breakfast, Italian Nightmare. But finally, Kansas City gives him the call. Should have happened probably two months ago. But better late than never, I guess. In 69 games, 296 plate appearances down in AAA Omaha, slash 280, 372, 576, and even kind of cooled off a bit lately. So those were those numbers were even higher about you know two week three weeks ago. 16 doubles, 18 home runs, even threw in three steals, more walks than strikeouts, 37 to 36. And this is after having the exact same amount of walks as strikeouts last year. So one more walk than strikeout combined the last two years, which is what about 809 plate appearances? So, and 53 doubles combined the last two years, 44 home runs. You know, he's just that rare combination of contact skills, well over 80% every level, at least over the last two years. You know, power, approach, the fact that he's got super high floor, pretty high ceiling as well. So, I'm very excited about him. Maybe who knows what he does this year? Obviously, he's a rookie. And even he's already gone 0 for 5 in his first two games with two with but he does have two walks. But long term, I think he could be a top five first baseman. I don't see any huge gap between him and like a Andrew Vaughn. I think they could be very similar long term. But how do you value Mr. Vinny Pasquantino long term, Chris? Yeah, somebody was a little offended. I moved him near my top 100 of my dynasty rankings, but I think it's pretty fair spot for him and this was that was even before the call up so i like we knew it was probably coming soon yeah i have him at 98 so just referencing where he is currently i mean the ovp skills are really good as you mentioned the field of hits really good i mean he walks at high clip pretty much everywhere he's been i mean his lowest walk rate since 2020 well i guess rookie year in 2020 or sorry 2019 was 10.9 percent and since then at each stop 12 percent 13.1 percent 12.5 percent Hardy, a small sample, but 29% walk rate right now in the big leagues. I know that's just a small sample, just seven plate appearances, but you know it's for fun. So, yeah, he makes a lot of contact. He doesn't strike out much. He's going to put a ton of balls into play. His contact rates are good, as you mentioned. He makes a ton of zone contact as well, and he's got good power. He's going to hit the ball hard, which is going to be huge for him. Now you look, and the AAA numbers might be a little inflated. Omaha's a really good hitter's park. So that that AAA West, I guess PCL, I don't know, they flip-flop the name every year. Like that's a, a hitter's haven. But still, I think I think you're looking at a hitter that can give you 25 home runs at least with solid batting average as well. So there's a pretty well-rounded profile here. I think the call-up hype was definitely warranted. One, because it was just getting ridiculous. He hadn't been called up at this point with how he'd been performing and the Royals you know, just being the Royals. So it's about time. Hopefully they'll just give him a run every day. You know, I've been encouraged that MJ Melendez has played pretty much every day, even with Sal when he was back some. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah. And yeah, MJ has been struggling but lately, but it's nice to see that they at least have kept him in the lineup and you're know, giving him a longer leash there to work through his struggles. I love that. Obviously, especially when you have 
a talented prospect like a Vinny, like an MJ, give them time to work through their struggles and make those adjustments on the fly instead of like having you know the quick, quick you know trigger finger and pulling them back out and sending them back down or whatever it may be. But yeah, Vinny, I don't think your ranking is egregious at all. Like I just before the call up, so my last update that's on Fantrax HQ, I had him at one thirty eight, and that was before the call up. I've already, I just moved him up to 115, so I'm not too far behind you there. I think that's very fair. Like, look at some of the other players in that range. There's not a lot of first basemen in that range. Like, the next first base eligible guy is Cronenworth and like Chris Bryant. They're down around 130. And I like him more than those two guys moving forward. And Kirilov is about 15 spots ahead of him. I don't think they're that different moving. I still like Kirilov a little bit more, but yeah, I think. Vinny could be a guy that maybe he's not ever going to get up into the, you know, the top tier of fantasy first baseman. Like, I don't think he's got like the elite power to get up there with like, you know, maybe he gets up to Pete Alonzo level. I don't know. I mean, that might even be a little bit much, but is he ever going to be a top 30, top 40 fantasy guy? Probably not, but maybe a guy that settles in as a, you know, definite top 100 guy, maybe, you know, top 50 ish guy annually. I said high floor. We, we mentioned all the, the approach, the context skills, the power, feel for hit. It's all there. So, yeah, I think Vinny Peace would be a guy that I think fantasy managers are going to fall in love with very soon here. All of us prospect people already have. So all the non-prospect people, they probably will soon enough. Moving over to the, a couple guys on the mound here. Brendan Woodruff made his return the other night and looked very good. Five really strong innings, 10 strikeouts. Whiff, whiff rate was 45%. CSW was 39%. This guy first start back after having a... And it was a sprained ankle and the is it Raynauds. I don't know if you said Raynauds, Raynauds, something like that. Which basically it's just uh, numbness and tingling in the fingertips, which as you know, pitchers kind of important and kind of an issue to you know have feeling in your fingertips. But he's back. Everything seems to be better with that Raynauds syndrome for now. Maybe I think there's always gonna be flare ups. That's why I think it's one of those type of you know syndromes. But Woodruff has been much better, I think, than his kind of surface stats will indicate even after this great start 444 ERA 115 whip but 31% K rate 6.4% walk rate as a higher K minus walk rate than the last two years you know his X era all his ERA indicators were around like a run lower so you know I don't know if you can still buy low on him after that great start if you still can get him at any type of discount in redraft or dynasty I think I would definitely you know pull the trigger on that because I'm still as in on him right now as I was before the season when he was being drafted as a top five starter. I think he's that good. So yeah, I'm very excited to see him back and pitching well. Yeah. And you mentioned it. I mean, he was going to pitch well, like there was no doubt in my mind. He's run a really low strand rate this year. The K minus walk rate is the best of his career next to the short in 2020. So, you know, he's pitched pretty well. The swing and strike rate, the highest of his career by a whole percent, which is pretty noticeable. 14% swing and strike rate there. And, and inducing a lot less contact, which has been good. So he's getting a lot more swings and misses, which has been really big for him. So I'm not surprised to see him have a strong start. I think he'll have a strong rest of the season. I think you can easily count on him to be a top 10 pitcher rest of the way. Yeah, top 10 for – I didn't put him quite back top 10 yet in my redraft rankings, but he's not far off. It's, there's so many good arms right now. It was hard to do so, but – I think he gets back, has another couple of good starts, definitely top 10 for sure. And, and he's still top 10 for me for that Dynasty as well. Closer to the back end of that top 10 right now, because, again, there's a huge cluster. Like I said, we talked about that, was that last episode or episode before, mm-hmm. where like there's the top, you know, kind of like the top tier. And then it's just like, 
this massive glob that four to 13 or whatever you can move them any around any which way and i wouldn't have any issue with it but yeah he's definitely in that cluster for sure and one thing that i think gets very underrated or doesn't get talked about enough with woodruff is he's look at his command it's very very good like he's always had low walk rates he's been actually very consistent with the walk rate last four years 6.1 6.1 6.1 and 6.4 this year which is above average that's above average control and I think his command is easily plus or better. Like you look at his heat maps on his five pitches that he all throws at least 11.6% of the time. It's fastball up, sinker down you know, to righty, sinker down and in, change up in that same area, slider down the way, curveball is probably the worst command, but even that's pretty solid. But look at these heat maps on Savant of all five of his offerings, and he locates very, very well. I think which that doesn't get talked about enough with him. So, yeah, Woodruff is a great buy right now for dynasty purposes and redraft all purposes. But one that I'm a little concerned with right now is Mackenzie Gore. He uh, last three starts, two of them against Colorado. He got absolutely lit up here, but the last three starts, six innings, excuse me, six earned runs and two and a third against Colorado. And then back to back starts against Colorado, four innings, eight earned. And then he did have five shutout innings his last start. But the one thing that really concerns me about Mackenzie Gore, and this is something I put in, I talked about a little bit in my starting pitcher rankings here from what that was Wednesday, I posted those, that his walk rate was never even that great this year, and it's really spiking of lately. Look at June, he's a 16.3% walk rate, and his K rate continually decreases 32.3% in April, 26% in May, 209 here in June. Swing strike has never been that great, even when he was had that 32% K rate in April. He didn't have a great swinging strike rate. And the fact that command and control was the one of the major reasons for his issues a couple of years ago when his you know prospect value plummeted to outside the top 100 on a lot of lists. The fact that he's starting to have those issues again, maybe not to the same extent, but I don't know. I'm starting to get pretty concerned with the, uh, the lack of swinging strike rate right now, the higher walk rate. So I, I don't know how to value him right now, but uh, what are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, he's a tough one. I still think the stuff's obviously there. He's striking guys out, which is encouraging. I think he gets back to his ways. He's a you know been a solid command guy for the most part of his career. I know he's kind of you know lost his ways to some extent, but I do think that he'll bounce back and be fine. I actually think it's good to have some of these stumbles that we've seen. Like it's going to really Test him, and we're going to really see who he is. I mean, those starts against Colorado were really rough, and one of them, obviously being in cores, you know, you kind of expect some struggles when you go into cores. Your first, his first start there, ball just moves a lot differently. But then his next start, as you mentioned, was also against Colorado, but at home, and that one was equally as bad. He allowed three home runs in it. But overall, I mean, he's allowed just one home run other than that this season, and that was – in his first game against the Braves. So that was interesting to see. The walks are a concern. I mean, this this month in June, 14 walks to 18 strikeouts. That's not what you want to see, obviously. But we'll see how he responds. I think he's probably pitching tomorrow. Musgrove goes tonight. So he probably goes tomorrow against the Dodgers. So that should be, I guess, today as you'd be listening to this. But that'll be a good test for him to see how he responds against a Really good lineup, so we'll see. But yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not overly worried, but I do want to see the walk rate tick down. 
Yeah, I was, I was just about to say, you don't sound overly word. Like, I'd, I'd say on a scale from one to ten, just from listening to you, you're probably like, what, a three and a half right now? Yeah, three to four. That's a fair. Yeah. Right? I'm probably more, I'm not like seven or eight, but I'm like, yeah, I got, I'm like a five. I think just because, yeah. like, these are the, the walk rate spiking again is kind of, again, when I was one of his issues that really plagued him, you know, the last couple of years before he righted the ship earlier this year. And yeah, I'm not saying, you know, jump ship from him and he's going to be bad or anything like that. And I'm sure I'll get all the, oh, you hate Mackenzie Gore. Because apparently I hate Mackenzie Gore <laughs> on Twitter. I don't know how. I've spoken good things about him. But when I see concerns, I'm going to voice them. And right now, I am concerned about the walk rate. And like that it's spiking like once again. He has, he has, last time he had a start without three walks was against the Giants on May 22nd. So we're talking about a fall like five, five and a half weeks ago. And that's one... Let me start to go one, two, three, four. So that's five starts ago or six starts ago. It was the last time he had a, a, a start without three walks. So again, it's not, I guess I'm not like eight or nine. I'm not saying that he's going to be terrible, but maybe we went a little too high on him. I don't know. There's still a good pitcher in here. Like we talked about the stuff is good. It's a good fastball. It's a good secondaries, but I, I am a little bit concerned this current point in time i'm not gonna lie one moving on to somebody that i'm not concerned about at all because we want to provide some clarity here because there's really none given until today corbin carroll went on the il he had some dental work done and then he got covid so he's on the il right now i'm not sure exactly how long he'll be out but don't worry about him i just want to provide some clarity there's everyone is kind of like oh what's wrong with corbin carroll but he's my number one prospect like i think i talked talk with some people the other day and I and someone mentioned uh, I don't know how Corbin Carroll got in the same conversation as Wander Franco, but someone's like, oh, maybe he doesn't have the same upside as like a Wander Franco or whatever. I'm like, I think he's a higher upside than Wander Franco. That might be egregious to say, or at least for fantasy purposes. But we've seen what Wander Franco pretty much can do and what he's probably going to be, and the upside for additional power speed with Corbin Carroll. Corbin Carroll could be Trey Turner. Wander Franco is great. I love Wander Franco. He's a fun player, very talented, but for fantasy, he's not Trey Turner. I think Corbin Carroll could be, and is that very, very lofty? Yes, because Trey Turner's been you know, a top 10 guy for the last half decade at least, but I think that's what we're looking at with Corbin Carroll. Yeah, I mean, he's a stud in the making, and we've seen what he can do, and yeah, fortunately, the IL stint is not for any serious injury reason, and he should be back soon on the field. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a stud, and so there's not much I have to add. But he's just a, a baller, and he's he's a top prospect for me. So I'm really excited to see what he can do at the big league level. He's a baller and a shot caller, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I another thing too, people have been asking like, is he gonna be up this year? I want 100% rule it out, but I'd put the percent the probability at like less than five percent. Would you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, I'd say. I just don't see it happening. Like maybe if he wasn't coming off of, you know, missing you know, a bunch of time the previous year, then maybe because I like, look at 2021, he played it, yeah, seven games before injury. So maybe I bet you he might maybe would have already been up right now. Cause if he played all of last year, you probably would have got the double A last year, started at triple A this year. And we'd be talking about him being called up right around now. So but wait next year, he'll be worth the wait. Like look at the stats real quick. 313, 430, 643. That's a 330 ISO. He has 11 doubles, eight triples, 16 home runs, 20 steals, been caught three times. Walk rate well above 10%. He's 41 walks in 58 games. Keeps the K rate in check. Like he's a future, you know, fantasy stud. So 
Not worried about him whatsoever. Moving on here, next name on the list, Matthew Libertor was recalled. He's kind of been up and down a few times now. Hasn't really had a lot of success or really any success at all instead of a, a solid start here and there for St. Louis. But I guess the question is, Chris, do you think that Libertor can stick the rest of the season? Like, Should he be someone that people are targeting right now in fantasy for, for uh, moving forward? Well, I've read that they said that he has a good shot to stick, so I would at least like to see what he could do. I'd rather him pitch at the big league level and work through things rather than you know, go back down and keep working in AAA. I think he's going to be a solid arm. Like we're not looking at a ace or anything like that, but I do think he's just a, a solid like mid rotation type starting pitcher. And, you know, he's pitched 18 innings with a big league club this year, four ERA, one, six, one whip, like small sample, whatever. I'm not overly concerned about that, but I think we're going to look at a mid 20 strikeout rate, decent walk rate, not great. He's going to walk, you know, eight to ten percent of batters, which will work, but I think we're going to get, you know, decent ERAs, and so I'm not opposed to seeing where it goes, but I do want to see him get a chance to work out those kinks in whatever it could be at the major league level, rather than sending him back to AAA. I mean, he pitched last season the whole year in AAA, 124 innings. He had 58 innings in AAA this year, so give him the chance. I do think long term he's a, a solid fantasy starter. Probably never a high end, like I mentioned, but I think he can still be really good. Yeah, as do I. You know, I kind of thought of him similarly that to who was Daniel Lynch. I kind of thought of them as they're coming up through his prospects, but I think that what gives him the advantage like St. Louis, obviously much a better organization for pitching development than Kansas City has been. So that's how I feel like, again, he doesn't have the, you, like you mentioned, doesn't have the highest upside around, but I think he could be a solid SP3, SP4 for fantasy. Maybe that's, you know, Top 60s, top 75 pitcher. I don't think he's going to be anyone you're, you're drafting in the top 100 overall, but it's a solid kind of mid-round fantasy type of arm. So the one thing I do want to see, I want to see him drop the walk rate a bit here, but I still think there's a, a pretty solid arm here. So he's bounced back nicely after kind of a lackluster 2021. You know, got one of the best curveballs in baseball, I think, or potentially one of the best curveballs in baseball. It's a very good curveball. A lot of vertical drop on that thing. So definitely think he can be better than what he's shown so far obviously still getting his footing there so it's still still a solid arm in there i think with matthew libator moving on here we have some prospect standouts here we're talking about four guys before we hit the break first one gunner henderson is just not slowing down at all he had a cycle hit for the cycle the other night triple a norfolk and he's even been better in triple a than he was down in double a which is saying something because he slashed 312 452, 573 with eight home runs, 12 steals, and 47 games for double A bow with more walks than K's. And then triple A, 324, 446, 608, five home runs, three steals in just 20 games, up to 13 home runs and 15 steals, and an even 300 plate appearances entering today. I just moved him up. I, I didn't move him high enough. He was like, I think, 14 in my last update. I just moved him up into my top 10 and even into my top five. So I was just looking like, again, there's a massive cluster. It's Corbin Carroll, and then I have Riley Green, too. And then there's this massive glob of very talented prospects that are all kind of at different le- you know levels right now. Like you've got some, like the lower, lower down in, in low A, Tovar's double A. You know, we got Abrams up in the major leagues, you know, triple a guys there's a good mix of, of ages here but so you can go any which way but i wouldn't be 
opposed to putting him at number three overall. Like Carroll and Green are my, are my one two right now, but I can see putting him ahead of Hassel. I just did actually, but it's it's hard because these guys are all super talented. You want to move them up higher than you have them, but there's so many other good names up there, like Lawler and Volpe and Tovar, Jordan Walker, and you know C.J. Abrams obviously still up there for me. But where do you have Henderson now in your rankings, Chris? And how do you kind of project him moving forward? I kind of think of a slightly more toolsy Tim Anderson, maybe. Is that kind of, is that fair? What are you, what are your thoughts? I'm not sure what kind of speed he gets to. That's my concern. Like I don't I don't think he's like a big runner. Yeah. Long term. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe um, like 10 to 15, though, like still double digits early on. Yeah, I think maybe. his power. Yeah, his power is probably better than, than Anderson. The hit tool was pretty solid, in my opinion. I think that that's a fair comp. Like he's not going to strike out a lot. He's going to post high OBPs because he's a very patient hitter. Man, it's been certainly encouraging to see. I've got him. Let's see. Where did I have him last update? Where is he? Not high enough, clearly. Last time I updated, he was 21. So I think he needs to move up probably close to 10 and around the 10 range inside the top 10 for me. But you're right. I think you make an argument for him based on what he's done this year above pretty much anybody but Carroll and maybe Green because Green's up. So yeah, it's an interesting process to eval. I'm like, you know, is this going to stick? It could. I mean, Sean last year in low A was able to hit for solid average, struggled a bit in high A, but I do think that we've seen some transformation and I think he's every bit legit as we think. So, yeah, I, I think he is. I, I've been a little hesitant. I was like, oh, I didn't see like super lofty power. You know, we talked about the speed as well. So, guys, like, yeah, he's, he's very good across the board, but I think that that lack of kind of standout power speed, but he just continues to hit for power. He, Continues to steal bases here. He's gotten better at AAA. Like the approach is really good. So maybe he won't be a guy that's flashy at the major league level, but I think he's gonna be a guy that could be like a top 50 overall player with his, his all-around blend of offensive tools, the high one of the highest floors in baseball right now. And that he's doing this. I mean, he's still in 21, if I recall. Let me look real quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he just turned 21 he's yesterday. On the 29th. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, did he hit wait, did he hit for the cycle on his birthday. Yeah, he did. What? That that's that's just awesome right there. But anyway, yeah, so 21 years old, just turned 21. So doing this at triple A right now is one of the youngest at the maybe the youngest at the level. I'm not sure, quite sure I have to look that up, but yeah, I th- I think he's legit and I think it's time that he's considered top ten universally. And I said I won't even be opposed to top five. Like my next update, which is probably gonna come in a few weeks after the draft, so I can get all of the, the new shiny toys in there. So about three weeks from now, I'm gonna have a hard time deciding three through like 12 or so that's gonna be it's very hard tier. yeah i know it's a big tier it's a very good tier it's a lot of fun names in there obviously putting them in in an order is gonna be hard I and mean, chris and I, you and are, are very similar in fact that we'll probably have them in the order and they're like all right i'm gonna go post <laughs> this you look you look at it like, no i guess which those two like it's it's a labor of love that's for yeah. sure but yeah henderson is definitely in that tier along with all the other names we just mentioned so yeah, but cycle on your birthday, not a bad way to celebrate. All right, another prospect here who's breaking out in 2022 that is up at the major league level now and performing well for Chris's Atlanta Braves, Michael Harris. And I've seen him, you know, in some recent rankings and you know, a midseason dynasty mock draft that I'm currently in. 
Actually, let me, let me pull that up right now, see where he went, because he went pretty high in this mock draft here that I'm in with uh, 16 teamers, OBP focused. And Michael Harris went, I'm trying to pull him up here. I think it was top 100. Yeah, he went fifth round. So that's picks, quick math, 77 overall. That's pretty high. I've seen them, you know, top 100 and some other dynasty lists as well. Chris, being the Atlanta Brave fan in the room here, are you fully in on what we're seeing from Harris right now? Because it's very impressive. 327, 351, 509 slash. Yes, the approach is aggressive. Three walks, 28 Ks, but solid contact. Power speed is is there. Maybe not lofty, but three home runs, four steals in 30 games. Pretty damn solid. What do you see from him moving forward? Like, Where do you think like, a few years in the road, what type of player could he become when he's like peak Michael Harris? I mean, I think it's easy to see 2020 in the profile. And you mentioned Tim Anderson for Gunner, and that's kind of like maybe what we're seeing here. Yeah. Where it's very similar to like aggressive approach with Anderson, lower walk rate. So the OBP is pretty dependent on the batting average. But I do, you know, the numbers aren't going to wow you, like the hard hit numbers and that sort of thing from Harris. But every time I've watched him, he's hitting these hard line drives. I mean, he does have an 8.5% barrel rate, which is pretty good. And his hard hit rate, 39%. Max EV is 89th percentile. Max sprint speed, 92nd percentile. Like, those are all pretty positives in my opinion. And, you know, I am i wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a pretty consistent 2020 threat with a solid batting average. So he's, I mean, I also think he's got more home run power than we've seen. I mean, Several games we've seen him fly out to the warning track several times, hard line drives that turn into doubles that are you know off the wall, landing on the track. So I think he's pretty close to you know, getting some more home runs on the board. So I think he's a really solid player that could certainly stick and be a solid fantasy asset. I've, I've put him in the 120 range for my recent Dynasty update. You see exactly where, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the top 100. Uh, one, 112 was where I had him. So he could move in the top 100 if this continues, which even if he's a 280-2020 type, like that's still extremely valuable. Yeah, no, absolutely. I had him 129 at my last update last week. I have already given him a bump, and you'll see that if you're a 70-grade member of our Patreon because we post our update. Usually every weekend we post those updates, so you don't have to wait a month, month and a half, whatever it is, till the next on-site update. We, we update them every week or even multiple times a week. But I've moved him up to... One, where is he now? Oh, we're there. 106 right now, right in the middle of Willie Adames and Royce Lewis. So the one thing that's, like I said, the approach is a you know, a, a little concerning. I'm not like really concerned by it because the context goes are really good. So maybe he's never going to be a high OBP guy, but I do believe there's 280 in there, you know, 18 to 20 home runs, a little bit more than that in terms of stolen bases. I think he's a guy that's going to be hitting probably near the top of the order. You think so? A lot of runs scored. He's already got 19 runs in 30 games, 15 RBI. So he's a very well-rounded, you know, stat line right now. And I, I think definitely we could see him maybe push top 50 within the next year or so. But seeing him go that high in that mock did surprise me a little bit. But hey, the uh, the skills are definitely there, so shouldn't be too surprised actually. A couple more names here before we hit the break. Both down at the prospect level, Blaze Jordan. We talked about him, eh, I don't know, a month ago or so. It's hard to remember at this point. Talk about so many players. But he was kind of the, the stat line was kind of meh back then in low way, South Carolina in the Carolina League in Salem. He's really been heating up though lately. Like the, sl- the triple slash one is now up to 310, 
368, 496. And what really has been impressive, like he obviously he's been long known for his power. Like even that's been eight home runs, 20 doubles in 285 plate appearances this year. So it's been okay, but not really quite up to, you know, Blaze Jordan levels where he could be. But the fact that he's just improving and exceeding expectations as a just a pure hitter. Like first career, we're up to 399 plate appearances, 314 average, and a walk rate that's you know right around nine percent, and the K rate is a lot lower than I expected too. Like he was considered kind of a project, like big power. Is he gonna hit enough? Is he gonna strike out? You know, keep keep the K rate down. He's exceeded, I think, everyone's expectations in terms of it being a pure hitter. So he's back to being a top 100 prospect for me. I dropped him out of my top 100 earlier in the year. He's back in it now. And this continues. You know, I have Kobe Mayo around like 60 overall. Is there a big gap between Kobe Mayo and Blaze Jordan, Chris? I don't really think there is. No. And the splits are pretty drastic. It's first month of the season. You know, he had a 162, 230, 250 slash. And then from May 1st on, that has turned into 363, 417, 584. Seven of those eight home runs that you mentioned have come since May 1st. So he's really turned it on. Well, I think what's most impressive is his strikeout rate 12.3% since May 1st, 8.5% yeah. walk rate. Like that's pretty impressive for someone that everybody was concerned if he could make enough contact or not. So we're certainly seeing it. The raw power is there. Like he's going to hit way more than more home runs than we're seeing right now. So I'm really excited about his development. And and yeah, you mentioned he's, I think that the profile similar to Mayo, if not better at this point. Yeah. And, and look at their future home ballpark too. Like that plays in, you know, yep. that's not a huge thing. You don't like make or break a prospect by what their future home ballpark is going to be. But look at, they're both right-handed power hitters. You look at Baltimore just moved that left field wall out like 700 feet with puts a huge ass wall up there. So that's made it a lot harder to hit home runs out there. Obviously, Mayo's got the you know big boy power, as I like to call it. So probably won't affect him like you know majorly, maybe cost him a couple home runs. But look at Blaze Jordan in Fenway. He is gonna have a lot of doubles off that monster, a lot of home runs over it. That that type of right-handed pull power at Fenway is very, very good. Recipe for success for fantasy purposes. He's almost like if Dahlbeck was a better hitter. I think that's kind of what I'm, where I'm at with Blaze Jordan. He's got Dahlbeckian power, but he is starting to prove that he's a much better hitter than Dahlbeck ever was in the minor leagues. Like Dahlbeck had a high walk rate, but he always struck out a lot. He never really was the high average guy, high contact rate guy. Jordan has already kind of surpassed him in terms of a pure hitter, at least comparatively at the same age. So, yeah, I, I'm very, very high on Jordan here. I'm, I'm wondering how this corner infield log jam is going to work out in a, in a few years once Jordan's ready. And obviously we got Tristan Cassis as well and Raphael Devers. So I don't know if this is all going to work out, but, and who knows if Dahlbeck's even still here at that point in time, but in terms of blaze Jordan, I think he's a great, great target right now in dynasty leagues. And for instance, cause I was kind of scrolling through my rankings here. I now have him a few spots ahead of a Martinez, but I don't think the general, you know, perception is that I, I think People think that Arelvis is better. And I think the only thing he he's com- the power is comparative between Arelvis and Blaze Jordan. But I think Blaze Jordan is a much, much better pure hitter than Arelvis is. I've seen Arelvis a ton. He's aggressive. He strikes out a lot. 
So if you could, if you have a Relvis, that might be a good trade to do. Like look to get Blaze Jordan plus another, you know, solid like top 150, top 200 piece. So I think Jordan's better. So, but last name here before we hit the break, where was that? Oh, Gavin Stones. Moving over to the pitching side of things here. We talked some, some hitting prospects here. And coming into the year, there was pretty much everybody had Bobby Miller as the Dodgers top pitching prospect. And then, you know, after that, it was, you know, more of a toss up, but there was a lot of like Landon Knack and Ryan Pepio. Gavin Stone was kind of a little bit further down the list, but now like we saw in the, in the episode I did with Chris Welsh and James Anderson with the pitching prospect mock where Stone went several picks above Bobby Miller. And I can't really fault it. Look at how he's done this year. Yeah, between low, uh, excuse me, high A and double A, he's made 13 starts, 61 innings, a shiny little 133 ERA, and whips 1.07, 80 walks, just 15, excuse me, 80 strikeouts, just 15 walks, 80 walks would be terrible in 61 innings. So is he, is Stone ahead of Miller for you now? I'm, I'm having a hard time. I still really like Bobby Miller. I love the stuff of Miller, but he's been kind of not terrible, but kind of just meh, kind of in the middle, you know, up and down in double A. So in terms of stats, it's not even close this year, but long-term, who do you like more, Chris? Do you think it's going to be Gavin Stone and it's going to be Bobby Miller? I do like Stone a lot, and I really like his stuff of what I've seen. He's been really impressive this year, you know, especially even with the move to double A Tulsa. He's, you know, kept going. He's striking out more, and everything we've seen has just been really, really good. I'm curious to see, like, how he continues to progress. I mean, we're talking about someone that's almost 24. Maybe he gets the bump to AAA by the end of the season. But we're looking at a really good fastball and change combo here. And then he also mixes in a good slider and curveball. You know, the command was maybe a question mark coming this season. But the walk rates have always been pretty good. And he's upped his command at least to see get more swings and misses. He's pinpointing his pitches pretty well. So it's been fun to really see him blossom this year. And you know, as I mentioned, at both levels, high high A and double A, just been highly, highly impressive. I'm curious to see the progression, but, man, he's he's been fun. He's certainly moving up a lot for me. Yeah, he is for me, too. I, I guess I would st- – I still lean Miller, but this has gotten a lot closer than I ever expected. And there's a I think there's a chance by my next update of – if Miller doesn't start showing me something more than what he has now, I might move Stone ahead. I don't know, probably not, but Miller is starting to get in that territory where I'm like, all right, is he as good as we thought he was? We'll see. So like the stop, he's a really good fastball slaughter combination. We'll see. But Stone has been absolutely impressive. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break, but we'll come back on the other side and get into some lower level standouts than great, some great dynasty targets in this mix. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, and this may be a non-familiar voice for our ad read, but we have a new sponsor of the show. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is now brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched an ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. So we're challenging you to join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code toolshed at manscaped.com. 
I'm excited about this new sponsorship. I've used Manscaped products for a while, and recently we got the new Performance 4.0 package, and I will say that it is a game changer. It is significant upgrade from the 3.0 that I had before. In this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, a weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold it all. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is the future of grooming and, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. I've been blown away by the performance and the craftsmanship of this trimmer. It's their fourth generation, and with each one, they continue to get better and better. It features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and has advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. You can use it in the shower, and it has a 400K LED spotlight that you need for an even more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You can use it in the shower. What's not to love? And you thought that was good. We, but we want to take grooming even to the next level. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, as I mentioned. It's also waterproof, provides skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below-the-Waist Ball Deodorant and Crop, and crop Reviver Below-the-Waist Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped also throws two free gifts in their Performance 4.0 package, Manscaped boxers and a travel bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to the next level. It's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com, get 20% off and free shipping. Use our code TOOLSHED. That's right, 20% off. That's a significant amount there and free shipping using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get in some minor league standouts, really lower level standouts here. Well, nice little mix here of you know some of the bigger names, some of the lesser known names, but there's a, a lot of names that we really like here and some make some great targets in dynasty leagues. Let's start with the, probably the two most exciting names on our list: Jordan Lawler of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who's dealt with a little bit of injury this year, but really performing well. Former top six overall pick in the 2021 draft. And James Wood from the same 2021 draft, but a second round pick by the San Diego Padres. Also, has missed some time this year with injury. But let's start with Jordan Lawler because I think he's actually he is the highest ranked on our list here. Look at what he's doing this year. He's six games in the complex level and then 38 games in the low A California League. Combined 44 games, 200 plate appearances, 358, 465, 94 slash line. Eight doubles, five triples, seven home runs, 21 steals, been caught four times. Walk rate well above 10%, 27 walks to 47 strikeouts in 200 plate appearances. It's a 13.5% walk rate, 23.5% strikeout rates. He's top 10 for me. Like we mentioned that kind of cluster of that second tier. I think Jordan Lawler is firmly entrenched in that. You know, I think there's 20 homer power here. I think there's 25 to 30 steal, you know, speed. Not, I don't think long term. I'd still take Corbin Carroll. I, th I think he's got the higher upside and a higher floor. But I think Lawler could be pretty damn good as well in terms of power, speed, like I mentioned, and you know, solid average, good OBP, showing a great approach as well. I think there's a lot to like about Jordan Lawler, and he's still only 19 years old. He'll be 20 middle of July. 
performing this well, kind of silencing all the skeptics, you know, after the draft that were talking about his bat speed and whatever else the, the detractors were. I know our buddy Chris Welsh has always been a big Jordan Lawler guy as well. So, yeah, I think Jordan Lawler is absolutely top 10 right now. Yeah, I'm wondering how high he can get. And, you know, I was one of yeah. those skeptics. There were some concerning things I had read about his contact skills as a prep player, but he's kind of put that behind him at this point. And the strikeout rates have been, you know, twenty. he's at 23.3% right now. So not overly concerning at all. Like, that's a pretty solid rate. The walk rate has been good as well. I think he's ready for the next challenge to move to double A. And you mentioned he was a little older for the draft class, so he will be 20 this month on his – I guess, is it July? Yes, not July yet, but it, in July, he will be 20. So you think about it. I mean, think about Gunner. Gunner just turned 21, right? So he is yep. a year older, pretty much, in AAA. So I could see Lawler going to AA this year, and it'll be a good test. But the power-speed combo is legit. Seven home runs and 176 plate appearances encouraging. The 21 stolen bases. We know that Lawler has good speed, so I'm really curious as we move to the upper levels like can he continue the success of stolen bases the ground ball rate does give me a little hesitancy at 52.8 percent but if we get that down below 50 percent i think we'll be all right there everything in the profile looks good i think lawler's arguably a top five prospect at this point yeah like i said you could put him as high as three and i don't have any problem with it i do have him right now at actually i do have him at five overall so right now my top five is corbin carroll riley green Gunnar Henderson, Robert Hassel, and then Jordan Lawler, followed by C.J. Abrams, Anthony Volpe, Adley Rushman, Ezekiel Tovar, and Jordan Walker running at my top 10, so a little sneak peek there. But, yeah, again, massive cluster there. Lawler, probably one of the shinier names on that because of how he's done lately, and he's one of the young. I think he is the youngest in this little cluster. Jordan Walker's about the same age. Jordan Walker's about like a month older. But, yeah, love the upside. I think he's going to be a very good – him and Carroll probably being like the you know one-two in that lineup would be a pretty damn good way to start your lineup uh, long-term. So, yeah, at this point, I think it's no doubt he has to be considered top 10 and maybe even top five, like, like Chris said. So the other name here, James Wood, not quite as high in the rankings, but I think – like I tweeted out earlier today on, on Thursday when you're listening to this, that I think James Wood could be top 25 overall – by the end of the season, obviously he's a massive, massive human being. Six seven, two forty, could be playing, you know, power forward in the NBA or you know, defensive end in, in football. But what I love about James Wood is obviously he has the elite raw power that you'd expect from someone that size that plays baseball. But there's also a solid amount of speed and athleticism in the in the profile, and he's shown to be I kind of similar to Blaze Jordan. He's shown to be a better pure hitter with a better approach than anyone expected right now. And obviously, as he faces more advanced pitching, as he's at the high A, double A, and closer to the majors, pitchers are going to be able to exploit the frame, the bigger frame, the bigger strike zone that comes with it. Obviously, that's going to happen. So still kind of wondering where the average ends up at. But even if he ends up as, even to say 250 to 260, which I think is definitely possible. I'm like he's still a ways away, still a few years away. But even if he's in that range, like this is a 30 plus homer bat in the making with a guy that could add, you know, eight to ten steals early on. And you know, maybe you might think a little bit more than that with how much he's run this year. But 
I don't think he's going to be a huge stolen base threat, but maybe, you know, 10 to 15 early on, at least the first few years, go with a lot, a lot of power and you know, probably a pretty high OBP as well. Maybe he's a little more valuable to OBP formats, but there's a lot to like about James Wood, and I think you can still get him for a you know a price tag that's lower than it probably should be right now because I don't think his stock has really started to fly up as much as it should. It has risen, obviously, but... I think it's going to rise a lot more. So I think right now is a great time to sell, uh, should me buy James Wood, or you're going to be paying a top 25 price tag, you know, later on this year or early next year. Yeah, I certainly think so. He's, he's intriguing. I kind of had questions coming into, you know, his pro career of what he could do with that frame, you know, kind of like an Aaron judge type frame, but he moves really well for his size actually. And the raw power is, you know, undeniable here even though we haven't really seen him tap into it in game, like it's coming, but also the contact skills have been much improved this year. Seen him cut that strikeout rate significantly last year in complex ball, 101 plate appearances, 31.7% K rate. This year has been cut to 16.8%. And that's pretty noticeable, huge, huge improvements that we've seen 19 years old. I think he could make a big jump. So you're right. I think that the hype hasn't really caught up, but I think that it's time to get him before the price tag does take off. Couldn't agree more, Mr. Clegg. A couple other names here that already they've probably jumped up a lot in rankings this year. I know they have in mind. We got Edwin Arroyo from the Seattle Mariners, Carson Williams of the Tampa Bay Rays, and Mason Wynn of the St. Louis Cardinals. All shortstops, so we'll group them together here. We'll start with Edwin Arroyo. I put out a tweet, was it two days ago now, that it was, I think I was 19 years old or less for the age in full season ball. He was the only one that had double-digit home runs and steals. There's a bunch that were very close, but including Carson Williams, who missed by one home run. But in 66 games for low A Modesto in the California League, Arroyo was slashing 320, 390, 537, 13 doubles, 12 home runs, 13 steals, been caught four times. And Carson Williams, again, was one that missed by just one home run. He has nine home runs and 19 steals, along with 13 doubles and nine triples and a 271, 364, 513 slash line. And last but not least, Mr. Mason Wynn here, who is slowly starting to show more power. We talked about him a few months back where he's off to the hot start in terms of average and speed, and he still is. 307, 375, 516, 20 steals, just been caught twice in 286 plate appearances, but showing a little bit more power now. He's got five home runs in 30 games since his promotion to double A. Six home runs total, going with 20 doubles and seven triples. I think I know that how you have these three ranked, Chris. I know you have win the highest. Is he top 50 for you now? Win was close. Let's see. I, I have, a, let me say this while you're looking it up. I have all three of these guys top 100. I have since bumped Carson Williams up a tons. I was looking at another name on the, that list that missed by one home run was Adele Amador, who I've had, you know, in that 60 to 70 range for, you know, basically most of the season. I'm like, why do I have him 100 spots ahead of Carson Williams? So I've moved him within my top 100. I have Edwin Arroyo as a top 75 guy, and I have win. I think I still have win the highest of these three. I have win at 60 right now, but. Every time I look at my sheet, I think I move him up like five, six, seven spots. So by the next update, he's probably top 50 for me as well. Yeah, he's 51 right now, so he can probably easily see a little boost. Just looking at some of the guys in front of him, like I think I'd prefer him to Rokio at this point, Stott, or Elvis probably be close, Austin Martin, probably like him over him. So 
yeah, I mean, he keeps performing. He's going to keep moving up. Arroyo is interesting. I think many people thought that he was just going to kind of fall off. Like it was just a hot start that he couldn't sustain. But even over the last month, slashing 351, 409, 546, and that's over 110 plate appearances, three home runs over that time, five stolen bases. So he's been one that's really moved up as well, where I think that he's just kind of proving a lot of the doubters wrong. You know, 12 home runs, 13 steals, as you had mentioned. Really solid bat-to-ball skills, good OBP skills as well. So Arroyo, he was 100 on the dot last time I updated, and he could continue to move up with that hot month. So he's been a fun one to follow as well. And you mentioned Carson Williams, who I probably wasn't high enough on in FYPD. So if you did get him, you probably got a good deal in your FYPD draft because he's been a stellar performer as well. And especially the OBP skills have looked good. High walk rates. The strikeouts are a little bit concerning. Even still, the home runs are there. And, you know, good line drive rate. I think that's really kept the batting average up. Is a 30% line drive rate. is really encouraging to see there. And he, if he can cut the strikeout rate, he can move up even more, I think. So he's kind of primed where he has a chance to take another step forward, even though he did slow down a bit in the month of June, 225 this month. But still, the numbers have been pretty solid from a counting stat standpoint. So he's been a fun one to follow as well. Yeah, he has. And that K-rate is a bit concerning. So I probably shouldn't move him up as high as I probably did. But I think he's still top 100, Carson Williams is. And more so, obviously, you mentioned the stats weren't quite as good in June. So it might be weird to see me move him up. But I think I'm I, I'm correcting a previous rank here. He's only 19 years old, too. One of the youngest in full season ball this year. You mentioned the, the counting stats are definitely there. Just want to see where the contact skills end up, where that the approach ends up. He's, he's walking at a high clip, too, which is definitely encouraging. He's walking right now at a 11.4% clip, which is encouraging. Power speed's right there. So really, it's about the contact skills and the approach with him. With wind, it's just seeing that additional power. Like we said, the, the approach is good. Walk rate's above 10%. K rate's pretty solid as well. It has hits for a high average, solid OBP. Speed is there. He's got 52 steals in 161 games in the minor leagues. Only been caught seven times. I think he could be a 25-30 steal guy at the highest level. I just want to see where that power is. Is he a 10 to 15 homer guy, or is he 15 to 20? Is he even over 20? We'll see. I think there's the potential to get up into that 20 homer range. Not a big dude, but bat speed is there. Solid bat to ball skills. I want to see him. So we start adding a little bit of bulk here. Doesn't have a lot of projection left in the frame, though. So I don't think he's like really bulk up over the next year or two. But even as like a 15 homer guy with his, you know, with the average, with the speed, I think he's going to be a very, very good fantasy player. And Evan Royal, yeah, he just keeps going, man. Like to 12 home runs, 13 steals, hitting 320. You know, K rate's pretty solid. Walk rate's pretty solid. Not like the greatest, but there's a lot to like here in the profile. And we've seen how Seattle does a pretty good job. It's in general with their player development, but especially on the hitting side of things where, you know, obviously they've had, obviously Kalanick hasn't worked out yet, obviously before anyone mentions that, but you know, Rodriguez, all these, they always have like a couple of breakouts every year. And I think Arroyo is one of their big breakouts this year. And there'll probably be a couple more before the season's out. So love all three of these guys. All three are great targets that you probably could still get for fairly reasonable price tags and dynasty leagues. I don't think they're, Perceived value is caught up with their actual value yet. Three more names, see four more names on the list here. Let's go to one player that's been kind of a, a fan favorite in the prospect world. Like you, every any like group you talk to, there's always gonna be one person that's really really high in this guy. 
That's Evan Carter, who is the probably one of the biggest surprise picks of that 2020 draft, at least early on, second round pick, kind of out of nowhere. But and you know, look at the stats, and they don't wow you. But there's a lot of good, a lot of good tools, a lot of good you know things to be excited about in the profile. There's a lot of power projection that hasn't really translated to game power yet. Seven home runs, 89 games as a professional, five this year in 57 games, but a lot of raw power. He's showing solid speed as well, although he hasn't been overly efficient on the base pass. And the approach is phenomenal. In 89 games, 70 walks to 72 Ks. Where are you at on Evan Carter, Chris? Like I've seen like you see a wide range. I've seen him as high as top 50. I've seen him as low as like near 200 and everywhere in the middle. Where are you at on Carter and, and what do you think he could be long term? Yeah, he's top 100 just inside for OBP. I mean, he is a really high walk rate type. He doesn't strike out a ton, which is encouraging. I'm interested to see where the power gets to. You're looking at a really big frame. He's listed at 6'4", 195, but you know, there's plenty of room to add to that frame. But he's just not getting to the the power that I thought he could. Like, There's definitely raw power in this profile, but I'd like to see him get to more game profile or game power in this profile, but he just hasn't yet. So that'll be a big thing for me. I don't really see him right now. He's arguably a plus runner, but he's not been super successful in the base paths. I mean, 14 steals this year is encouraging, but eight caught stealings is not. So I'd like to see more power before I'm willing to go much higher on him, but the OBP skills are really good. So that is encouraging too. Yeah, for sure. Like fact that if he got, if he got to more of that game power, I think that's the one thing holding him back right now. Obviously, the, I don't know where the contact skills end up. He's 258 right now through 412 career plate appearances. Maybe he's never more than a 250, 260 guy, but obviously the OBP is going to be very high. 394 for his career in the minor leagues, 370 this year. The walk rate is well above 10%, 36 walks in 266 plate appearances this year. So probably a guy that's you know, 370, 380 OBP, so much more valuable in OBP formats. That's why you, I think you have them about 25 or so spots. I have them at about 115 overall right now. But even even at 250, 260, and if you can get that additional game power and start just driving the ball in the air more consistently while maintaining, you know, a, l- a little bit of speed, even just like 5 to 10 annually, it's a nice little kind of addition to his fantasy profile. I think he could be a very solid i don't think i don't think he's gonna be a star for fantasy purposes but it's a very solid guy that you know maybe he's a borderline top 100 fantasy pick you know year in year out down the road he's still very young though i feel like he's been around forever but uh, he's drafted back in 2020 feels like he's been around for a lot longer than that but still only 19 years old he'll be 20 in the end of august so still very young a lot of potential there but yeah i do want to see more game power that's for sure the last two hitters on the list ryan spikes infielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. So another Tampa Bay Ray infielder here, a third round pick in 2021. And then warming Bernabel signed out of the Dominican Republic a couple years ago. He's still 20 years old, just turned 20 actually about a few weeks ago in what is he at? in low a for Colorado. 328, 401, 526 slash one in 284 player appearances, 19 doubles, 10 home runs and 20 steals. 28 walks to just 39 strikeouts. That's pretty solid as well. And Ryan Spikes, also in low A in the Carolina League in Charleston, 289, 392, 530 slash, five doubles, five home runs, four steals, 
in just 97 plate appearances. He had a little bit a late start to the season. Which one of these two are you higher on? Obviously, there's a lot of intrigue in both profiles. What a bit more track record here with Bernabelle. Obviously, he's got the Colorado stigma, good or bad. There's a lot of stigma with Colorado prospects. <laughs> You're like, oh, look at the home ballpark, but oh, look at their play development. Oh, they won't call him up till 2029. You know, there's always a lot to say about Colorado prospects, but I'm very intrigued by both these guys, but especially Bernabelle. Just look at the, you know, the nice power speed one he's shown. Pretty efficient. He's gotten more efficient lately. 20 steals this year, six caught stealing. Last year was nine and two. 2019 was three and seven. So that's why his overall 32 and 15 don't look too great. But he's gotten better on the base pass. He's gotten pretty, he's always been a pretty solid approach, solid contact skills, powers coming along. So I think he's still a long ways away, 20 in in California League. But I like both these guys. But Bernabeu is someone I think might be top 100 for me next update. Yeah, I'm a little more confident in him right now. We've seen we at least have a little more of a track record. His strikeout rate is much lower. I am and Spike's profile is fun, but at the same time, you're looking at a 55.6% ground ball rate right now and a 30% strikeout rate. On the flip side, you know, we're looking at similar at similar levels. I know that Bernabelle is he's about nine months older than Spike's at the same level, but you know, 10 home runs, 20 steals. 328 average, 13.7% K rate, and 10% walk rate. That's super encouraging. He's got a healthy ground ball, line drive, fly ball distribution too. So Bernabel is one that I'm a little more comfortable with at the moment, even though I do like Spike's upside. But I'd say right now it's got to be Bernabel that's higher for me just because the well-rounded profile that we're seeing, the, the good contact skills, the lack of Ks, the speed, I'm interested. The 20 steals is a lot. I'm curious if this does stick. I don't really know. I could see this be a case where it does trend downward, but even still, I think there's solid hit and power in the profile, and there is some speed as well. You know, Spikes could be one where he develops. I think the hit tool is there, so the K rate could drop some, but he's got to lift the ball a little more, so I just would lean Bernabeu at the moment. Yeah, I would too. Like I said, I had him in the 160 range last update. I think he's pushing top 100 for me now. Spikes is probably more in like the 250-ish range. Like I said, like you said, fun profile, but a bit more red flags in that profile than Bernabelle. So I will definitely go Bernabeu as well. Last name on the docket for today. We'll throw a pitcher in here. And one that is, I think, might be just the most hyped pitching prospect in all minor leagues right now. Like Earlier in the year, it was Andrew Painter, right? He came out. Dominating in April and May, he still is for the most part. Maybe not at quite the same level, but I posted this meme. I don't probably two weeks ago where you know that meme, Chris, when the guy's walking with like with his girlfriend or his wife or whatever, and he sees the other girl in the Uh, red dress. He turns, he's like, "There's a ooh face," and she's all mad at him. That was like, she's the the woman in that his girlfriend is painter, and the girl in the red dress he's looking at is Tiedemann in terms of the pitching (laughs) prospect world because everyone seems to have forgotten about Andrew Painter now, but. For good reason, though, like Ricky Tiedemann is absolutely dominating. And did you realize, as I pulled up his baseball reference page earlier, his actual name is Tariq Lenny Tiedemann. I don't know where you get Ricky from Tariq <laughs> Lenny, Lenny, T-A-R-I-Q, and then L-E-N-I for the middle name. I don't know how you get Ricky from that, but I realized that that was his actual name. That's the first I've seen that. But you look at what he's done so far. He had six starts in low A, Dunedin and six starts in high A Vancouver. And could you just go from one drastic spot in the, in the 
world to the <laughs> other in terms of for minor league baseball. You go from Dunedin, Florida to Vancouver, Canada, like 4,000 miles across the country, diagonally up into Canada. But anyway, he's been dominant at both levels, even better actually in high A, which is absolutely astonishing. Overall in those 12 starts, 58 innings, 1.40 ERA, 0.79 whip, 90 strikeouts to just 19 walks in those 58 innings. That is a 41.1% strikeout rate. Yes, 41.1%. Didn't say that wrong. That's actually what he's doing. Walk rate is 8.7%. So, yeah, that's pretty decent as well, especially for his age. And in that midseason mock draft I'm doing, Dynasty mock draft, he went 160 overall. And I can say this because by the time you hear this, I've made, made these picks, but we're at a pick like 375, 380-ish now. Mick Abel and Andrew Painter are still on the board. They're actually sitting in my queue right now, and I'll probably have selected them by the time you hear this. But that just shows you that he's been going 200 spots ahead in this mock draft. So hype is absolutely out of control right now on Tiedemann, but I think it's warranted. But how high have you moved him up your rankings, Chris? I have moved him. He's pushing top 50 for me right now. I can't put him top 50 quite yet. I'm sure some have, but... He has been damn impressive. Yeah, I think you have to at least consider him in that range of arms, like, you know, Mick Abel, Taj Bradley, like Nick Lodolo. Like, he's certainly in that range. And even, I don't know, like Yuri's higher. He's close to Kyle Harrison, I think. Yeah, not far off. I, I have Kyle Harrison 45, Bradley 48, Gavin Williams, who I love at 51. And I think I have him right after that. Yeah, so I've moved him. Where is he in my rankings? What can I find him? Oh, he, he's at 50, 56 right now. So he's getting close. But I, I think just because, you know, Williams is a bit more advanced. Same with Bradley and Harrison. They're both at, all up in, in AA. It's probably why I haven't moved him up in the top 50 yet. But, yeah, he's definitely in that conversation for sure. Yeah, I think he's near Tier 2. You have Tier 1, like G-Rod and, like, Meyer, Kirby, Espino types, Boz. Boz is, I think Boz is still a prospect at this point, but he is, yeah. So those are tier one guys. And after that, I think you could put him in that next tier. Like he's he's pushed himself in that range. So and if you if you got him in FYPD, I mentioned Carson Williams, but if you got Tiedem in FYPD, then you really got to steal. You should be very, very happy with with what you have going on. Absolutely you should. And I'm gonna pull something up real quick here, Chris, because and this is gonna, you know, make us look bad, but whatever. But this just goes to show, you know, those later rounds that you can make some great picks, get some steals there. So I'm gonna pull up Chris and I's 2021 FYPD rankings here as I try to find them. I had to move them to a different spreadsheet. Oh, here we go. I don't think we had him very high at all, Chris. No. But and again, that's not to make us look bad, obviously, but just to show how those later rounds can be just as important here. All right. At least for me, oh, this is only my rankings, but for me, I had him in my personal rankings, 89, and I'm sure you probably had him at the same. I can't find our article right now, but yeah, so he was like a back-end top 100 kind of FYPD guy, like in the same range as, there's another name, like Peter Hubuck from the Dodgers and Sean Burke from the White Sox. Like Those are guys I had, Maddox Bruns, some intriguing name, Robert Gasser, some back-end top 100 names from last year's FYPD, but those late round picks can be so valuable. So people like to trade those away, but especially if you get a deep class, and then at that point in your in your draft, go for the upside. Don't go for like the boring. Like those are the types where you take a 
uh, risk on like a exciting, you know, electric arm like a Ricky Tiedemann in hopes that they do this. And you no, know, most of the time it won't work out, but every now and then you'll get a Ricky Tiedemann and you'll be very, very happy about it. But yeah, he keeps us up. I don't see any reason why he couldn't be at the top end of that tier and be right up near Yuri Perez. Obviously, Yuri Perez has been the darling for the last year or so now, but long term, they might be very similar arms. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. He's, as I mentioned, he's been a fun riser to see. I'm looking, I was looking in 30 Rock actually where he went, and Ian Cundell took him 87th. I took Anthony Solomedo two picks before, which Ooh. and that hurts. Yeah. Did, did, so. did I have a did I have a pick around there, Chris? You picked 73rd. Who did I take? So you took where did it go? Just saw you. William Bregola from Philadelphia. Okay, so an intriguing FYPD or yeah. international guy that hasn't yeah. debuted yet. So who knows on that, but man, <laughs> would have loved Tiedemann. So yeah. Good job, Ian Cundell. Hat off to you for that pick, sir. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. You're craving Church's three-piece classic? There's no other option. Two crispy legs, a thigh, and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way. And that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?